Welcome to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast that takes you freewheeling down the great internet rabbit hole of trivia. Each week we pick a starting point and then who knows where all the twists, turns and tangents will take us. But we'll be sure to unearth a treasure trove of frivolous facts that will be as fascinating as they are, well, useless. When One Thing Leads to Another is produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. Our theme music is by Justin Mitchell. This is Series 2, Episode 20. The Finale! Well, here we are, the Series 2 Finale. The Series 2 Finale. Or we should say, uh, for our American friends, the Season 2 Finale. Yes. Perhaps. Yeah, 40 episodes we've made of this little humble podcast. 40 episodes. What a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) What a glorious waste of time. Yeah, it's been fun. It has been fun. And we will be back for a Series 3, will we not? Damn straight. Yeah, you got that right. We will be back very soon. And so this might be a good opportunity to implore you, our lovely listeners, if you haven't already, to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts Mm -hmm. so you won't miss Series 3. And you'll be the first to know when when we're back. Absolutely. And review us. Give us a good review. Go on. Oh, come on. We come cup in hand. Yes. Much like Oliver Twist with his bowl saying, please, sir. Say nice things. Say nice things and give us a five-star review. That would be fabulous. That helps us gain a few more listeners, which would be nice, wouldn't it? Would be nice. And we're on Instagram. Come and find us and follow us on Instagram at when one thing leads to another. And we're on that Twitter as well, that tweeter. That poisonous, toxic (laughs) cesspit. Called Twitter, yeah, we are at When One Thing, so come and find us on there. Yeah, follow us, like us, like our things that we share. And recently, uh, we're now also on YouTube. So I hear. Yeah, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is rather good. If you're hard of hearing, you can put the old captions on the subtitling and you can read all the... You can read all the fascinating facts and tantalising trivia. And also, of course, there's a comment section, so you can add your own. Positive comments only, please. (laughs) Positive comments. Perhaps you've got further information. Oh, yes. More facts on things than what we've been talking about. Absolutely, because if you send us in any information related to anything that we've talked about, we will include it in our finale episode. Correct, Amanda. Yes, we will, which is what we're going to do. Yes. On this here episode, we're going to read some of the messages and emails, what we have received. But before we do that, Mm. um, we need to thank a few people, don't we, I suppose, actually. Most of all, of course, our lovely listeners. Yeah, thanks for listening to our drivel. Our nonsense. It's terribly nice of you. And we'd also like to thank Feedspot.com, which in their words is the Internet's largest human curated database base of bloggers and podcasts oh yeah and we are in their top 30 best facts podcast are we yeah we are wow which was very nice of them to do we're actually number eight i mean i don't want to blow our own trumpet or anything but number eight that's pretty good so you know why don't you log on to them and find some more blogs and podcasts and all the rest of it um and talking of charts Helen. Mm. Well, we have been reaching the heady heights of chart success um, in the Apple podcast charts. Have we? Uh, Yeah. And as I've said before, we don't like to blow our own trumpets. But check this out. We reached the dizzying heights 
of number 247 in mm. Apple's comedy podcast charts at one point. Straight in at number 247, <laughs> it's when one thing leads to another. And if you think that chart position is impressive, mm. then check this out. We reached number 183 in the same chart in Luxembourg. Uh, oh, in Luxembourg. Yeah. In Italy, number 48. Oh, that's pretty good. And wait for it. Cue drum roll. Number two in Macedonia. Oh! Yeah, so I imagine we are essentially celebrities in Macedonia. Yeah. So anyway, we'll get across there. Well, let's go. We'll go there and live the celebrity life. We'll enjoy the red carpet uh, reception, <laughs> which I'm sure we will get. Right, so it's time to go through some of our emails. Yeah. Um, now, all the way back to series one, if you cast your mind all the way back there, to episode six, which yeah. is called Penny Come Quick. Uh, one of my favourites. Uh, where we found out a bunch of amusing and downright rude place names around the world. Yeah. I'm sure you will recall. We learned about how a parish council in the Devonshire village of Shitterton had installed a massive piece of Purbeck stone with the name of the village on it. Yeah. Do you remember, in a bid to put an end to the village signs being stolen by people who were clearly amused by the name Shitterton? I do, yeah, that was a good one. And you may also recall that in episode 10 of series one, called Oven Drama, we told the story of how when he was a young rascal, the celebrity chef and TV personality, Gino DeCampo, had burgled Paul Young's house. He did. Served two years in prison for it. That's right. Well, a great friend of this podcast, Dave Orton from Cambridgeshire. Hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. Messaged us to tell us that on the inside cover of Paul Young's album, No Parlay. Yeah. Uh, that was sometime in the 80s, wasn't it? You will find a photograph of the old Shitterton Village sign that used to get nicked all the time. What a funny coincidence. So there's a little coincidence and we missed a trick there. And incidentally, on that Paul Young album cover-up, the photograph is accompanied with the question underneath, have you ever? So Shitterton, have you ever shit a ton? Oh, really? Yeah, which, oh, wow. is, which is a pretty poor gag. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, 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 Paul. Don't give up your day job. <laughs> we had a little message on Instagram from Jay in Liverpool. Hello, Jay. Hi, Jay. And it was from Series 1, Episode 8, the Shirley episode, when we got onto the subject of the Beatles album cover for Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Do you remember we were talking about Shirley Temple, how she featured three times. That's right, three times on the cover. On the cover. Yeah. And I shared a little clip of that on Instagram and Jay commented that he recalls on the sleeve notes of Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band, yeah. the album, there is some information about the story of making the album cover. That's right. I think originally the album had lots of cutouts included in the uh, in the LP record. That's right. One of the cutouts, yeah, who was originally in, but it was decided that perhaps it was not appropriate. Oh yeah. Was Hitler. Oh. Yeah, John Lennon originally wanted Hitler included, but I think Jan Howarth, who... She co-art directed the cover, didn't she, with... Um, Peter Blake. Sir Peter Blake, She yeah. put it down to the folly of youth. Oh, yeah, the folly of youth, um, yeah. Yeah, but they got together and said, look, guys, Hitler, no, he's <laughs> not going to make the cut. I think... 
would you mind awfully if we got rid? Yeah. So thanks, Jay, for that. That was a really interesting little nugget and uh, I enjoyed that. OK, also in series one, episode 12, Bob. Oh, yeah. Where we started off with amusing uh, story of Bob. Mortimer. Mortimer. And we somehow got onto the subject of carry-on films and specifically the story that Sid James had run up a bit of a gambling debt yeah. and happened to mention it at a party to somebody who was high up in the Marks and Spencers organisation. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. And a bet was apparently made that if the next carry-on film could name-drop the company into the script, yeah. then he would clear the debt. Yeah. This uh, executive would clear the debt. And sure enough, in one scene in Carry On Cleo, slaves are being traded at Marcus and Spencer's. I remember it well. It's Warren Mitchell. Oh, is who it? Who is in yes. charge, yeah. Okay. He plays Spencius. Oh, okay. And you might remember that we'd also found out that Sid James had cunningly put some more product placement in Carry On Again Doctor. Right, and we said yeah. we'll have to watch it to oh, see if yes. we can spot it. Yeah. And sure enough, there is a scene in which the Sid James character rather blatantly opens a cupboard full of Johnny Walker Red Label whiskey. Oh, <laughs> and so I went digging and I found a bit of blurb about it on IMDb, oh, which yeah. I want to share with you now. Yeah. Yeah, I read that when Sid was given the script mm. of Carry On Again, Doctor, without telling the producers, he took it straight to the London office of Johnny Walker and said he had a great idea for some product placement. And if they gave him four cases of his favourite whiskey a case being uh, 12 bottles, he would guarantee their product would be prominently seen in the new film. Get him, the sly old fox. <laughs> he was a right one, wasn't he? And on the day that the scene was to be shot with dummy bottles, just marked whiskey, he turned up on set with these cases of Johnny Walker Red Label yeah. and told the director, Gerald Thomas, what mm. he had done. Mm. Now, Gerald Thomas did not like being usurped by any of the cast. And Sid was previously responsible, as we previously mentioned. Yeah, for the Marcus, Marcus and Spencius. And got, got into a bit of bother about it. So he was unhappy. However, Sid said he would refuse to do the scene unless the Johnny Walker bottles were included. Right. And he was backed up by his co-star in the scene, Jim Dale. Jim Dale was probably getting a couple of bottles, wasn't ah, he? Ah, well, yeah, we'll come to that. Well, the director, Gerald Thomas, contacted producer Peter Rogers for advice. And um, mindful of holding up filming over the dispute, as well as not wanting to upset Sid James, who was popular with both the rest of the Carry On cast and the public, yeah. Thomas was told, just film the scene. Let's get it done. With uh, the real whiskey. With the, with the Johnny Walker whiskey to keep Sid happy and therefore not fall behind on the filming schedule. And so the scene was left in the final cut. And Johnny Walker came good on their end of the bargain and gave the cases of whiskey to Sid. And Sid thanked Jim Dale and the props master on the day for backing him up by giving them four bottles each. And he gave two to the director, Gerald Thomas, and two bottles to Peter Rogers, the producer, too. He was an entrepreneur, wasn't he, old Sid James? <laughs> he was. OK, well, I got a message from Vicky, who lives in Germany. Guten Tag, Vicky. Guten Tag, Vicky. And after Series 2, Episode 3, which started at the Wall of Death, Wall if you of remember... Wall of Death. Vicky alerted me to their... Pitts Toddersland. 
I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Pitts Todeswand. Okay. Which is their wall of death. German wall of death. German wall of death, which appears every year at the Oktoberfest. Oh, wow. They have their very own wall of death. Yeah, it's eight metres tall and 12 metres in diameter. And it features daring rides on motorcycles and go-karts. And it promises acrobatics, blind rides and wild pursuits. That's fantastic. Yeah. Like you need another reason to go to a beer festival. Well, what better than yeah. the Wall of Death? Yeah, it, and it's been going for 80 years. Wow. So we need to get over to the Oktoberfest and see a real-life Wall of Death. Dankeschön, Vicky. Dankeschön. Now, another loyal listener and friend of the show, Tom Lipscomb oh, from yeah. Luxembourg. Yeah. And, of course, he may well be in part responsible for us reaching the heady heights of number 183 in the Apple comedy podcasts of uh, yeah. Luxembourg. So thanks for that, Tom. But, yes, Tom got in touch about episode five of series two, right. which was Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, yeah. Um, and in that episode, we found out that Weird Al Yankovic had recorded a parody of the Nax tune, My Sharona. Right. And he changed it into My Bologna. Oh, yeah. M -m -m My Bologna. Well, Tom takes a keen interest in US language etymology. Oh, does he? <laughs> yes, he does. And he wrote to us, he said, quote, the delicious sausage byproduct mortadella oh, yes. is a native of Bologna yeah. in Italy, of course. And when imported to the US, they dropped the name mortadella and simply called it Bologna sausage. Right. But of course, in America, Bologna became Bologna. Right. OK. However, writes Tom, an Americanized cheap version of the original came out and the name was then bastardised by Italian New Yorkers who didn't much care for the cheaper version to uh -huh. baloney. By Italian New Yorkers to right. baloney. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. And so hence the birth of the American phrase, what a load of baloney. I see. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. That is properly interesting. Yeah. Danke, Tom. Do they say Danke in Luxembourg? Do they speak German? Sort well, of Flemish? They, there's all sorts in there. Merci. Oh, of course, yeah. Gracias. Gra Let's just cover everything. Grazie. <laughs> oh, I've got a quick one from Nairi. Oh, yes. In the Northern Territory in Australia. All the way down the area, down under, mate. Who was listening to episode eight, series two, episode eight, March. March. And we were going on about all things March, weren't we? Mars, all things named after Mars. March-based facts. Yeah. Well, she said, I can't believe you didn't mention marzipan. 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 Literally translated as the bread of March. Well, I never knew that. How about yeah, that? yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Thanks, Nairi, for that. Thanks, mate. OK, now Spandau Ballet, mm. the band, have cropped up in a number of our episodes. They have. And we discovered the origin of Spandau Ballet's name. Yeah, Which you did. may recall came about when DJ and friend of the band, Robert Elms, had seen some graffiti on a Berlin wall which read, quote, Rudolf Hess, all alone dancing the Spandau Ballet. Yeah. And supposedly it referred to the involuntary jerky movement that an inmate from Spandau prison would make upon being hanged. That's right. Cheery stuff. But Spandau superfan Steph Atkin from Worcester wrote to us <laughs> to tell us that they had read a slightly different but equally bleak version. 
Oh. Right. That Spandau refers to a particular machine gun that was used by the German forces in the First World War. And the ballet mm -hmm. refers to how soldiers would move, you know, a, a similar jerky movement yeah. when they were being gunned down. Oh, my God. Equally as bleak. Thanks, Steph. OK, I've got a quick one about Series 2, Episode 12, Bhutan and Beyond. Oh, yes. From Claire in Air. <laughs> Has she got lovely air? <laughs> she has got lovely air. Claire said, do you remember we got onto the subject of absolute beginners? We absolutely did. Well, Claire messaged me to tell us that her brother-in-law's cousin... Brother-in-law's cousin, yep. ...was in Absolute Beginners. Well, goodness me. And she gave me her name and I did a bit of Googling. She's actually quite a famous actress. Go she's on. called Carmen Ijogo. OK. And she's a really successful actress who, at one stage, very briefly in 1998, was married to Tricky. Tricky, the, the, the trip-hop trip star. Yes. She was in Absolute Beginners when she was about 13. She played the role of Carmen in Absolute Beginners, that is Claire's brother-in-law's cousin. Wow. Claire from Air with the lovely hair. Yep. Thank you for that. And talking of that very same episode. Yes. From Bhutan and beyond. Yep. We got onto the subject, you might recall, of John Logie Baird. Okay, yeah. Um, because Bhutan had a ban on televisions. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. Uh, as recently as 1999. They lifted the ban in 1999. Flipping heck. Yeah, so we got on to John Logie Baird, yeah. and he was the man who first constructed a television. Yeah. Well, Laura Davison got in touch to draw our attention to the fact that John Logie Baird also invented socks. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> or I should say, under socks. Under socks? Yeah. What the heck are undersocks? Well, I'll explain. Yeah, apparently in the First World War, soldiers on the Western Front Line often suffered from trench foot. Oh, yeah. And this was due to the wet mud that was found in the trenches. Mm. And it was impossible for the soldiers to have dry feet. And the resulting trench foot could lead to amputation in some serious cases. So, good old John Logie Baird invented the Baird undersock. Right. Now, Baird himself suffered from cold feet and colds, etc. So mm. he knew all about the cold feet. Right. And Baird discovered that if he put newspaper inside his shoes, that would absorb the moisture that comes from the feet. Oh. And so he came up with the idea of the Baird undersock, which was basically a sock sprinkled with borax. Right. And this would absorb the moisture that the foot gave off. Oh. And Baird's first attempt at marketing the undersock was an advert placed in the People's Friend, and it resulted in just one sale. Oh, dear. Yeah, so what he did was he supplied the British Army with a bunch to trial, Yeah. and the testimonies were so good, his undersock business took off. Oh. One from a Corporal H.G. Roberts that said, quote, I find the bared undersocks keep my feet in splendid condition out here in France. Foot trouble is one of our worst enemies, but thanks to the bared undersock... Mine are in the pink, and I think they should be supplied to all soldiers. Wow. Yeah, and so later on, with the money he made from his undersock business, he went over to Trinidad because, like I say, he suffered from colds and uh, the cold weather. So he thought, I'm going to get myself over to uh, somewhere warm. So he went over to Trinidad and he tried out a jam-making business, which, alas, failed. Oh. And so he came back to Blighty and invented, essentially, the telly. 
Okay, just a quick one from David P in Germany as well. He sent us a little message after Series 2, Episode 13, which was Seven Tears by the Goombe Dance Band. Seven tears And you remember we talked about key changes? We did. Well, David sent me a really interesting little message with a new word, a German word that I didn't know. Oh. And the word is, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, so apologies in advance, David. Ovum. How are you spelling that, please? It's O-H-R-W-U-R-M. Oh, yeah. Ovum. And it's the German word for earworm. I love it. And he said, you know how you get an earworm? Like, for example, Seven Tears by the Goombe <laughs> Dance Band, you evil bastards. So I think we gave David an ovum. It's a good song to have as an ovum, I would say. OK, I want to add in a little something that I couldn't quite fit in in last week's episode, Glastonbury. Oh, yeah. Um, it was, it's another interesting fact about Dirty Dancing. Go on, then. That we, um, we couldn't quite include. I thought this was amazing, right? So the part of Baby's mother yeah. was played by actress Kelly Bishop. Right. But originally... The role was given to Lynn Lipton. Right, okay. Okay. But she became ill during the first week of shooting. Right, okay. So she, they shot the first few scenes, then she got sick, and she was replaced by Kelly Bishop. Okay. Okay. But if you watch the opening scenes where the housemans arrive at Kellerman's in the car... Right. She is briefly visible, the original actress, Lynn Lipton, in the beginning. She's in the front seat, obviously, and she's quite clearly not the actress who played Baby's mother because she's got a big head of blonde hair. <laughs> now, I read this and I thought, no, surely not. You mustn't be able to notice it. And it's really obvious. Wow. Yeah. So for some reason, they didn't bother reshooting that scene. They or why didn't, why didn't they give the new new actress just a blonde wig? Yeah, you'd think it would be easier just to reshoot the scene. It's so short. I wonder if the editor just slightly shuffled around on their seat uncomfortably. I thought, oh, no one will notice. Oh, that will no. be all right. That'll be all right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please rate and review us on wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, and that way you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love to hear from you, especially if we've got any of our information wrong, or you have some more fascinating facts about something we've talked about, or you could even suggest a subject for our starting point. Our email address is when one thing leads to another at gmail.com. A massive thank you to Justin Mitchell for letting us use his music as our theme song. It's a track called Homo Erectus, taken from his fantastical album called The Garden of Earthly Delights, which is available to buy from bandcamp.com. Thanks also to Acast for hosting us. And we will be back for a series three, will we not? Damn straight. Please note that all facts have been found on the internet and therefore we cannot vouch for their veracity. Mm-hmm.